Welcome to the Deep End, a podcast brought to you by DigitalOcean. My name is Omar Johnson. I'm a software engineer here at DigitalOcean, and I'll be your host for today. Today, we'll be speaking to Phil Calzado. He's the director of product engineering here at DO. Um, formerly, he was at SoundCloud and ThoughtWorks, and he's also a Brazilian jiu-jitsu enthusiast. Today, we're going to talk about three of my favorite things. That's food, music, and, of course, technology. So, yeah, my name is Phil Calçado. I'm a director of product engineering here at um, DigitalOcean. Um, and, yeah, based in New York City. So, basically, he's the boss of all my bosses. Um, could you tell us more about how you got into tech? Sure. Um, I guess it's the usual how I, as a kid, I was writing code story. I think the maybe something that makes it a bit more interesting is that my um, my parents have decided that they were tired of me playing video games when I was a kid. So when I was, I don't know, maybe nine, they decided to fulfill my request and give me a computer. But instead of a 486 computer, as I was asking for, they decided to give me a super old school Apple II clone, which was probably like more than 10 years old. It was older oh, than wow. me, the computer. Nice. And uh, the main idea or the main like strategy was that the computer had no operating system. All it had, you would turn it on, you would plug it on the TV, and then you turn it on, and all it had was a prompt where you had to type in coding basic. So it had no operating systems, no game, nothing. If I wanted to play any game, I had to type in the game myself and learn the syntax of the language Amazing. and all this kind of stuff. Um, which, you know, as an eager child, I was really as, <laughs> typing it as fast as possible so I could actually play the game. But turns out that... It, Typing in the code and seeing how it would fail and changing little things became more interesting than playing the game itself. Nice. Uh, so yeah, from that, that's kind of how I got started into coding and computers in general. Amazing, basic, huh? That's that's kind of how I got started too, as well. Um, could you tell us more about your progression here and to here at DigitalOcean today? Um, yeah, so I like I'm originally from Brazil and. Back then, I had uh, I worked for various different companies. The last company I worked for was like this big TV network. Um, but then, about ten years ago, I left Brazil. First, moved to Australia. Worked as a consultant for various different companies, small startups, big big enterprises. And then, from Australia, I originally I, I then moved to London in the UK. I worked for like the the Guardian newspaper for a little bit. I worked for some big banks. And eventually, I made my way back to startup land. I ended up working for SoundCloud, where I was one of the oh, like, wow. kind of not super early engineers, but pretty early. Nice. Uh, I was at SoundCloud for four years, like, living in Berlin for four years. And after that, I was like, okay, what's, a, what's the next challenge? Um, which drove me to New York City, working for DigitalOcean. Um, it's a very interesting opportunity in the sense that it aligns a lot of my interests in software technology how to how to produce or how to create an experience that developers actually will enjoy using you know as a at SoundCloud we were using lots of different cloud providers and the amount of stuff we had to go through just to get a simple setup yeah. running was incredible it was just so much work um, and Dio was super um, on point on being attractive you know, on the developer experience side of things so yeah that's how I ended up here if you had to consume something, a beverage or a food item for the rest of your life, what would that be? Oh, wow. That's, um, well, if I had to choose something, it was, 
it would probably be Brazilian barbecue. Oh wow, nice. Uh, yeah, it's like, but you have to understand that. Um, so, that's my my boss here, Distortion, Greg Warden, really wants his hobby is convincing people that I'm a foodie and a hipster. Uh, <laughs> turns out that Do I actually live in like <laughs> not really. Okay. <laughs> and also, I drink Soylent. <laughs> I am the very opposite of a foodie. Um, and but I really like Brazilian barbecue. It's just like it's probably my favorite meal. So if if you know very planning nice. on having one, please invite me over. I will go. Uh, never trust me to recommend a restaurant or anything like that. I know nothing about food. Now, which meat in this Brazilian barbecue do you like? Because I've been to a restaurant and they bring around a plethora of meat and I, I have a hard time choosing. Well, the f- nice thing is that it's all you can eat, right? You don't really need to choose. You don't have to you choose. Get whatever, I like that. Whatever you want. Uh, but, you kind of uh, cheated. You know that. But right? there's, one, well, there's one particular cut. Um, of meat that's called a picanha in Portuguese. Uh, it's kind of rump steak, um, and if you if you have it the right way, it's probably the best meat you can get. Very nice. You mentioned quite a few uh, experiences at very large uh, corporations such as SoundCloud, um, and I'd imagine with very large engineering teams such as uh, Do here um, operating at massive scales. Um, how would you? What advice would you give to anyone when it comes to uh, scaling engineering? That's interesting. I think that um, there's, there are two, maybe two factors at play, and they're not necessarily the same. Uh, one is how do you scale your engineering team, and the other one is how you scale your systems, architecture, and things to you know to support millions or whatever number of users you might have. That's kind of you know large. Um, when it comes to engineering teams, I think there are many uh, different interesting challenges going to come to somebody in, into somebody's life. Like try to do that, trying to do that, but um, they're a bit more complicated. So I'm going to focus on the systems part of it, uh, yeah. just as, a, as an easy way out of the question. Um, and I think the, m- the most important advice I would give to anybody who might have a small operation right now or is in like some startup or whatever that's starting to get some traction is don't think about internet, web scale, whatever right now. Think mm-hmm. about validating your product. Think, think about getting your idea out, seeing if you can get users, you, get, you can get traction. Yeah. The moment you will find where, you know, maybe now your systems are breaking, maybe your development processes don't work anymore, and there's so much published material that you'll be able to change course and go to a more sustainable or scalable architecture and processes and all that. But if you don't have a working product, you're never going to get that. Yeah. So the first thing, don't focus about, don't focus on scalability. Don't even think about any of these things. Just use whatever works for you, whatever you know best, whatever you have access to. Uh, push it out, put in front of users as frequently as possible and as soon as possible and see see if you have traction. And if you don't have traction, that's okay too, but just see where you need to change uh, to, you know, create a new hypothesis, validate what you're doing, see see how you can you can make your idea a big thing. That's definitely the best advice I was ever given. Yeah. And I have to say that every single company, successful company I've worked at, Dio, SoundCloud, many of my, client, my, my clients at um, when, when I was a consultant, and something they always started as big 
blobby, horrible yeah. architecture things uh, that were great for the first few years. And that's what you need because you need to validate your idea. And by the time they were, they started being successful, they started doing, um, they started attracting a lot of people and this actually became a problem. They had enough money and enough traction to actually hire people and to build systems and, you know, kind of change what they were doing to, to a more mature uh, architecture to set all this kind of stuff. So best advice I would ever have is don't worry about it until you have to worry about it. Um, it's not rocket science. There's plenty of mature, like documented material, prior art that you can use when you actually need as opposed to just trying to guess what the future is going to look like. Great advice. VCs are knocking down their doors. They got tons of customers. And they're going through the growing pains. What are some advice that you would have for them? So at this stage, uh, in my experience, it's when you need to start talk- start thinking about um, shaping your internal systems in a way that will allow for your teams to be more productive. Because you still, even if you are... You know, you might have money right now. You might have a fancy office somewhere. Yeah. You might start hiring a lot of people. But if you don't pay attention to how these people, you know, you, can just add, you can't just add more people yeah. uh, and expect that productivity, productivity will double. Yeah. You really need to shape your systems in a way where all these new people you've hired can uh, work effectively and actually, you know, 100% of their capacity is applied to the product. Some Some way of thinking about these things that I have used in the past multiple times it has worked well is to go about your big application your you sometimes called the monolith the you know probably the rails app because come on let's yeah. let's all let's all be real yeah. here right it's gonna be some rails app somewhere of it's course. gonna be massive. Um, and look at that and think about all the multiple different things that go into the same app. So you might have billing code, you might have user management code, you might have product fulfillment, whatever, depending on what domain you, you, yeah. you are in. Uh, all this stuff is in the same code, which means they all kind of have the same, they all die together, they all live together, they, they have the same life cycle. So as an engineering leader coming to a company like that, the first thing you might want to do is to map out what are the, the different kind of boundaries within your systems? What okay. are the subdomains within mm-hmm. your domain? And you might want to start considering extracting these things out from one big application into various small applications or services that, you know, can have independent life cycles. So maybe, you know, you have user accounts and that's good, but nobody has touched anything around uh, user creation or user management for years. And yeah. it's pretty mature side of your business mm-hmm. but at the same time let's say your order fulfillment process is going like crazy you're changing it every day so you might want to detach these two pieces of code yeah. sometimes writing different services or whatever it is so that the folks working on the fulfillment part that you know are deploying code every day every hour don't have to um, every time they, they make a change every time they deploy something new they don't have to carry all the baggage of you know the okay, user yeah, management services. stuff that never yeah. changes yep. uh, and if they actually break something because you know move fast and break things and all this stuff that is startup land we're used to if they break something the, the breakage is contained within that one domain yep. application service whatever you want to call it uh, you, you're actually doing effective risk management um, and by doing risk management, you might be increasing the productivity of your overall organization. I think the the hugest or 
every time I, either when I was consulting to these folks or now that I talk to people, uh, customers on, or whatever the people who are in this, posi- in this situation in the companies, they are always very confused why just, you know, now that they finally have time to hire more people, they've been trying to hire people for so long, they have no money. They have money, they keep adding people, but at some point productivity hits a wall and it doesn't matter how many people you, you add to your organization, you're still not going to get that much productivity gain. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would argue that it's probably, it, it might have a lot to do with the way your software is organized uh, and being a bit more explicit around these these borders uh, can help you out. And just like similar to what I was saying before, there's so much prior art and so many companies, including DigitalOcean, have published um, like blueprints on yeah. how we've been through this, mm-hmm. that this is the right time to you know go do some research and see what are, what are the options you have available. We talked about tech. We talked about food. I think the last holy grail is uh, <laughs> music. So these days, who who are you listening to, uh, Phil? That's interesting. I I tend to listen to a lot. Like I'm an indie rock person in general. Oh, nice. uh, but today specifically, I'm very happy. I just got a ticket to see the Flaming Lips oh. here in New York City. I have never been to a Flaming Lips concert, and ah. I'm a big fan. Uh, so if I had to if I had to think of a, a track today, I would probably think of. Um, from the Yoshimi Battles, the Pink Roberts album, I think it's 2009, mm-hmm. maybe. Um, there's a there's a there's a track there called Yoshimi Battles, the Pink Roberts Part One and Two, and I I have had this track stuck in my head for the past eight years. Oh wow! Uh, so I definitely recommend if you want to if you want to have the same experience. That's awesome. So that's a wrap for the very first episode of the Deep End. I want to thank you, Phil, for taking the time out to. Uh, Join us.